entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders so they can inspire others. I'm proud to let you know we record the Business Builder Show in the studios of 94.3 FM The Talker, which is part of Bull Gold Media, and we are in Scranton, Pennsylvania. The Business Builder Show is distributed by C-Suite Radio. You can find our show and many other fine shows at C-Suite Radio. Go to www.c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. My special guest with me today is Murray Nossel, and it is Dr. Murray Nossel. Hi, Murray. How are you? I'm very well today. Thank you. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, you wrote a great book. The title of the book is Powered by Storytelling. Excavate, craft, and present stories to transform business communication. Well, since this is a business show, it sounds like that, that's a good topic. Um, I'm going to give a very brief introduction, and I want you to kind of fill in the gaps, Murray, okay? So... Murray Nassel did write a great book. I've told you the title. We'll bring that up frequently. And he is also a psychologist, a performer, and an Oscar-nominated filmmaker. He is also the founder and director of his company called Narrative, and that's N-A-R-A-T-I-V. So here's where I want to start, uh, Murray. Tell us more about the performing an Oscar-nominated part of your career. In other words, Murray, tell us a story, please. <laughs> well, by all means, I'll tell you the story of this. Um, it began when I was doing my PhD at Columbia University, and um, my PhD was a joint program in social work and anthropology. Now, I had previously been a clinical psychologist, uh -huh. but I was really interested not so much in the individual anymore, but I was really interested in the way that individuals perform in groups. Uh -huh. And so it just happened that I was offered a spot at the PhD program in social work at Columbia University. And so my uh, two of my mentors in the program said to me, you know, Murray, you're, 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 you, you make good observations and you're good at telling stories. We'd like you to go over to a family support program in Brooklyn. It's a big organization which serves 10,000 families in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. And we'd like you to tell us what is it that makes this place so successful? Mm. Why are people flocking to receive the services of this family support organization. And the Annie E. Casey Foundation were at the time wanting to do a replication study. In other words, they wanted to be able to replicate and disseminate the information that I got 
so that other places in the country and around the world could do the same successful work. So I went off with my, you know, my my recording device mm-hmm. and my notebook. And the first people that I met at what was called the Center for Family Life were these two nuns. Now, they were Sister of the Good Shepherd, <laughs> Catholic nuns, mm-hmm. and they were dressed from top to toe in habits. Mm-hmm. Mind you, they didn't have the wimple over their faces, so you could see their faces. Mm-hmm. And I began to ask them, well, you know, how did you start this place? And they told me that they'd started it 20 years before they'd come into this neighborhood because they wanted to make a difference. And they gave me carte blanche to go and talk to anybody in the community that I wanted to, to find out what it was that makes this place tick. Anyhow, I went back to my um, my, my mentor, Columbia, and I said, listen, these nuns are sensational. They are the people that have made this happen. And I think that the only way to really depict what makes the Center for Family Life so successful is to document them on camera. Mm. Because you need to be able to see these people. They are filled with zeal. They're filled with passion. They are so articulate. You want to see them interacting with the people in the community. And so I went in with a tiny little camera, uh, a, a, a sort of um, – it was a $500 camera. Mm. And I started filming the nuns and other people in the community. And one thing led to the other. And I paired up with a documentary filmmaker with a track record. His name is Roger Weisberg. And I said, would you like to co-direct and co-produce this film with me? And he said, yes. And well, two years later, he called me up and said, guess what, Murray? We're going to the Oscars. Get your seat ready. <laughs> that's basically uh, the story of how that happened. The film that got nominated, which was called Why Can't We Be a Family Again, was essentially about a grandmother, an African-American grandmother in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, who's raising her two grandsons because their mother is a crack addict. And part of what really helps these grandsons is that they're involved with the center for family life. Well, over three years, I tracked these kids, you know, really working in the after school programs, being in their grandmother's house, and really trying so hard to reconnect with their mother. And that's the story of why can't we be a family again? So my guest is Murray Nossel, N-O-S-S-E-L, Dr. Murray Nossel. His book is Powered by Storytelling. So we've already established he knows how to tell a hell of a story. So so that's been established. I was listening, I think, very carefully. So in your book, you talk about um, how do telling and listening go together? Is that an okay way to ask that question? That's, that's, a, that's a perfect way to ask the question. Okay, Marty, what's going on between the two of us right now is a reciprocal relationship between listening and telling. From right. the moment you started talking to me, you already established that you're interested in what I do. You've read my book and you are curious. You have already you know, a, a revealed to me that you're a curious person. So you've already told me, you've indicated to me that you are listening keenly. What does that do to my telling? It empowers my telling. Mm. I know that I'm not talking to a guy who's um, looking on his device right now Mm. or typing a letter to somebody else. Mm. I know that you're keenly listening and that empowers my telling. At the same time, I have just acknowledged your listening. And I've let you know what the value of your listening is to me. Mm. And so we are now in a reciprocal relationship. When you talk, I'm going to listen more keenly. And when I talk, 
you're going to listen more keenly. So I compare listening to a bowl and storytelling is like the liquid that's poured into the bowl. So just as the bowl gives the liquid its shape, so does the listening shape the telling. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Uh, you tell that story really well and explain that. The, the, how they go together. You can't have one without the other, <laughs> right? You got to have the both of them involved. Um, Murray, that, your your film work and your performing work that is available. You can find that, right? If you uh, Google your name and what else would that? I, I did look at something. So tell me how people can actually see that work or some of your work in terms of the, your video work and your film work. Okay, fine. If you want to see my films, you'll go onto Amazon and they're available there. I've made a, a Why Can't We Be a Family Again and a feature documentary about the, which is called Paternal Instinct. Um, as for my other work, I have a TEDx Brooklyn talk. So if you just Google my name, yeah. uh, Murray Nossel, and you put in TEDx Brooklyn, yes. you will find the TEDx talk that I did. And uh, there are a variety of other videos if you Google my name. One of them is also my performance of two men talking. I watched uh, a bunch of that. That was superb, man. That, that was superb. Um, okay, let's get back on track here. I'm just like infatuated with Murray here. I got to do the interview here. Okay, so let me look at my notes here. Um, so let me ask you this question. Are we all hardwired? That's uh, in air quotes. Are we all hardwired for story to tell stories, to listen to stories? Is that in all of us? Yes. Okay. It's in all of us to tell stories. Okay. Tell me more. Explain. It's. It is a natural human function. Our brains evolved in order to tell stories. Now, this is not something that I made up. I actually spoke to one of the world's most renowned paleoanthropologists, who, by coincidence, was South African, just like me. And I had the good opportunity to talk to him shortly before he died. And I said to him, which I always wanted to ask, Professor Tobias, Philip Tobias was his name. And he was part of the team that found some of the earliest origins of our species, you know, in terms of archaeological findings. Mm. How far back in the human species does storytelling go? I said to him. And he said to me, Ah, millions of years. I said, really? I mean, I thought that storytelling went back maybe 35,000 years, you know, when human beings were painting on cave walls and trying to express their experiences. Oh, forget it. He laughed at me. A million years at least. Mm. Why? Why did storytelling evolve for us, the human species? Because we needed to pass down important Mm. survival-related information to Mm. our next of kin. Mm. We needed to say what would happen if someone went into that cave where lived a dangerous tiger or if they were crossing a stream and there happened to be a venomous snake over there. Mm. We had to be able to let our next of kin know about the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun and the rising of the moon. And of course, this is where human storytelling evolved, where we really needed to explain to ourselves and to our next of kin the way that the world works. So storytelling as a hardwired brain function is actually something that lends coherence to our lives. It helps us make sense of our lives. And as a result of that, it is the most powerful way that human beings have to communicate a message. Okay, I'm going to get into the business communication part of that, but I want to tell people again who you are. Murray Anassel, N-O-S-S-E-L. His book is Powered by Storytelling, Excavate, Craft, and Present Stories to Transform Business 
communication. So talk to me about narrative. What, what, what kind of work do you do there? Okay. At Narrative, we are dedicated to teaching, disseminating, and really doing strategic consulting all revolving around a listening and storytelling method that I created in 1994 at the height of the AIDS epidemic in New York. Mm -hmm. I basically created a program to help dying AIDS patients advocate for political and social change, telling their personal stories as a means of doing that. And under the urgent circumstances of that epidemic, I basically ended up, quite unbeknown to me, creating a method that has now been firmly established as reliable and effective for the past 25 years. And one of the places, one of the primary places where that method is being practiced and widely used is in the corporate and business Mm -hmm. settings. Mm -hmm. Why? Because in this age of tremendous influx of information and data. We are literally being bombarded at all times with information. We need to be able to cut through to what's important and back to our brain hardwiring. We will respond to a story well told. So narrative, which began, as you can hear from my film work and my early work in the clinical settings, has evolved into a company that now works with organizations and corporations. Yes, and that is Narrative, and you can find them at narrative.com, N-A-R-A-T-I-V, narrative.com. You can find that information, and uh, and Murray talks about some of those clients in the book. There is an impressive list of clients that are doing this because it works. That's why they're doing it, ladies and gentlemen, my business audience. That's why they're doing it. Okay, back to the book, and... Um, Let's give me give me a summary, and this is almost unfair, but, you know, we can't go on forever, Murray. <clears throat> kind of uh, the three elements that you discuss in the book, which we, already, we have already mentioned, excavating, crafting, and presenting. Kind of give me uh, a, a quick version of the three. Uh, tie them together for me. Okay. So excavate, craft, and present stories to transform business communication. The whole idea behind excavating a story means that it's already there, right? If you are excavating for gold, you know that the gold is there under the ground. You've just got to find it. So the first thing that my method and my book does is it shows you how to excavate your own personal stories that are already there, okay? And part of this involves knowing why you want to tell a story, why you want to tell it now, and looking at the way you listen to Mm -hmm. others and yourself. Mm -hmm. It instructs you to go into your heritage. This is the place where we find our most powerful stories, those people who came before us, and of course, our own pasts. Mm -hmm. Once you have excavated these memories and you've collected these memories and you've decided which elements of your life you would like to make into a story, that is where the process of crafting begins. Mm -hmm. My storytelling method is basically characterized by one fundamental principle and that is to only say what happened. Yes. You don't put in judgments, you don't put in interpretations, you don't put in commentaries. You simply give a factual account of what happened so that your listener can make his or her mind up 
for themselves. Yes. And finally, once you have crafted your story and known your ending, you have got to know where your story is going to end. We've all fallen into our soup because we've been so bored by people who don't <laughs> yeah. know where to end a story. You've got to know where you're going to end. Your ending is what gives your story its direction. Then you learn how to present. You learn how to make eye contact with your audience. You learn to maintain a relationship with your audience because it's their listening that is creating the context for your story to be told. Tell me what you mean by lion's gaze. You talk about lion's gaze. Explain that I'm to me. Pleased that you uh, you brought up the lion's gaze. Um, <laughs> I always make a little sticky on my computer here that says, you know, if if um, if uh, don't forget to bring up the lion's gaze. So, Marty, I'm very pleased you brought it up. Um, <laughs> well, of course, this is a, um, a a story which is very close to my heart because I'm South African and lions are out. You know, mm-hmm. they're the kings and queens of the jungle. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, this is a Tibetan Buddhist tale, actually. It's a lesson. And the lesson goes like this. When you throw a ball to a dog, the dog keeps its eye on the ball. But when you throw a ball to a lion, the lion keeps its gaze on you. It's never distracted by the ball. Big difference. (laughs) difference. Now, in storytelling, my lion's gaze, Marty, is on you. Mm. And on your listeners, in storytelling, my lion's gaze is on my audience. That's what I'm focused on. Mm. Hmm. You know, let's let's back up to the crafting part of it because because myself and probably others go a little deeper into this. What happened? Because I'm sure I don't think I'm that unusual that I have a tendency and I want to throw in my emotions and what emotions I think you should have when I'm telling you the story. So go a little deeper into that. What happened? Part of this crafting of the story. Well, you see, we tend not to trust the facts because the facts are so close to our own experience. So we think that for somebody else to understand our experience, we need to explain to them, right, how to feel. So, for instance, let's take an example of somebody who is endorsing a product, right? Uh Uh-huh. Let's say I, I, I am going to endorse a motor vehicle, right, mm-hmm. uh, a certain kind of car, and I'm not giving free advertising to any automobile manufacturers <laughs> here. If you want me to mention the name of your, your car, you've got to give me product placement. Okay. Yes, yes got it. So, so, well, I really love this car. You know, I, I really love this car, and I really recommend it. You know, it's terrific. It's got a terrific drive, Okay. Well, that's not what happened. It's simply my opinion, and it tells you very little. Yeah, okay? yeah. Now, what if I were to say to you, you know, when I was, um, when I was uh, five years old, every Saturday, my uncle Solly and my auntie Lillian came around uh, to pick me up to take me for a drive around the suburbs of Johannesburg. And uh, they came around in their little green automobile, and, uh, well, in fact, I'm going to say the name of that automobile because you don't, they don't sell them in the United States. It was a Renault, a French-made Renault Dauphine. Yes. And they took me in that car and they drove me around and they didn't have any children. And so they took me to the zoo 
And they took me uh, to the highest building in Johannesburg, which was the Brixton Tower. And to this day, I can still, as I'm talking to you, recollect the vinyl of the seats, those red seats in that Dauphin. When I, when I inhale, I can still recollect it. And that little dog that they had on the back window ledge that bobbed its head up and down. Well, I just knew that one day when I was old enough to drive, there was only one car that I was going to get, and that's a Renault. Wow. wow. So you see how the actual facts and the memory yep. Um, yep. not only give you details, but they show you what my relationship is to the product. Yes. And that it's much more than just a materialistic thing. It's actually a heartfelt thing. Yes. Solid. Solid. My guest has been. We need to wrap up. Murray Nossel, N-O-S-S-E-L. His book is Powered by Storytelling, Excavate, Craft, and Present Stories to Transform Business Communication. I will give you the last word or words, Murray. What did I miss? Anything you want to make sure that we hear before we depart? Yes, I'd like to give you another example, if I may, sure. of how the What Happened method can be used in a business setting. And sure. this is one of the anecdotes or stories. It's not an anecdote. It's a story that I share in the book. Craig Kostelich, he's a senior business officer at uh, Condé Nast, and he wants to bring his team together and tell them a story about what it meant for him to be playing high school football. Now, he could say, you know, being a high school football player, the team was very important to me. Okay, that's it. What is he saying? Not very much. It's an opinion. It's, it's a basic overview of the facts. But when he actually tells us the story, and you'll see it in the book, mm-hmm. of how he was thrown off the team mm-hmm. and the experience of talking to his father, who had to talk some very strong words to him about what it means to be a team player and what it means to accept failure. When he shares that story with the specific details with his team, they truly know that this guy is a team player in his bones. Mm. Basic fundamental philosophy of storytelling for business is show, don't tell. Show, don't tell. Yes, let us figure out the facts for ourselves. Which is hard to do. That's why we need to read this book by Murray, Powered by Storytelling. And so give us the websites, the Twitters, the whatever else uh, you want us to uh, reach out to you on, Murray. Okay. Well, the website, which is the most important thing, is www.narativ.com. So that's www. N-A-R-A-T-I-V.com. You can also join us on Facebook Mm -hmm. and you can join me, Murray Nossel, on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And our Twitter is hashtag at narrative. Excellent. Hashtag, right? It's at narrative. narrative, Which I I did. I did. I'm following you. You know, I connected with you. And, And by the way, I connected with Greg, too. He went to Bucknell University, which is down down the road from where I'm at. <laughs> See? Amazing. <laughs> so, uh, Murray, great work. Thank you so much for the work you've done in the past and for what you're doing today. You are impacting positively uh, business communication in our world. So thank you so much for being part of the Business Builder Show. 
And thanks for your listening and thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Reminding you to find all our shows and many other great shows on C-Suite Radio. That's c-suiteradio.com. On behalf of myself, Marty Wolf, your host, and D.C. Taylor, my executive producer, thank you for listening to the Business Builder Show. But stay tuned for information on how you can become part of the C-Suite Network. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. As a loyal fan of this C-Suite radio show, we've got an unbelievable offer for you. Listeners to the Business Builders Show get 50% off a C-Suite network membership. The C-Suite network will help you become the most strategic person in the room. You'll have access to top-notch benefits and networking all helping you get the most out of your position. Take advantage of this limited-time offer today. Learn more about the C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR. Again, that's 50% off a C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR.